one of our interview with Oscar Jackson Jr. and Oscar Jackson Sr. from Jackson Racing. Uh, they were kind enough to have us over uh, at their facility and got to spend a little bit of time with them. So uh, the next uh, part of it will be part two. That'll be released next Tuesday. So anyways, we hope you guys enjoy. Everything looks good. Senior, I think you need to talk now so you can check if your mic I, is I don't talk up. much. You don't talk much? Well, we're uh, going to ask you some questions. I, everyone will say that's a lie that we know. <laughs> everyone they say will... I talk too much. There you go. They said I'm always flapping. <laughs> Actually, everything sounds good. I cool. think I inherited that from my dad. Yeah. Is yeah, the talking. What, always, always flapping or the, always the talking? talking. Oh, okay. I think the BFG guys, when I'm sitting there talking, they're like, dude, you got to go. This guy, this kid, man. This guy's this kid just needs go. to. This I'm kid just, just needs to be I just quiet. I just want to make sure that we're all talking and yeah. having a good time. And they're like, ah, you got to go. We're in the door 30 seconds, and, and we're already talking about uh, the runoffs. <laughs> Instantly, let's talk about racing. And the Super Touring Advisory bam. Committee. Bam! Ba-bam! Uh, the Super Touring Advisory Committee on STU and STL? Yeah. Oh, jeez. STL, I think, is a pretty aligned class. I think it's pretty good. It's close. STU is just a mess. STU is a mess, and too and many... It's a, hard, too, it's a hard basket to close, too, man. Yeah, and there's too, many, there's too many guys that are... That are mm-hmm. trying to control it to go a certain direction, but they're conflicting because yeah. they're in the class. Yeah, it's whatever. You so should have I'm the gonna... spec Miata guys run all the all the rules. Oh for yeah, let's do sense. that. There you one go. Too. There you go. Oh, it's like I I got I've never written a letter to the SCCA. You I should just, write a letter. But now I have to write a letter to yeah. get our car actually to be competitive. Yeah. So now I'm like, oh, great. you need to write a handwritten letter on like the dotted paper that you used to do like the handwriting stuff uh, uh, pretty... grammar school yeah yeah we do have a crb scca uh, letter system it's yeah very easy a... i found out it's a website it's right? super easy yeah it's like writing an email <sighs> so know. is it like fill in the blanks uh like a choose your own you adventure your story name. like it says like insert car <laughs> no, you here get, you get to type it out <laughs> i like put choose your, your name your adventure. member number and that's pretty much it I always cheated on Choose Your Own Adventure. I always would like Look, go forward. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that one sucks. Yeah, and then go you back. go if you go like three forward, and you realize like, oh, you died in a blizzard. You like go back. You're like that's yeah. not gonna I'm work. Like, what do I just put the book down now? <laughs> yeah. As soon as I t- chose this direction, it's like, oh, you crashed. Like I did a. Mo- <laughs> There's a motorcycle one I always did. It's, oh yeah. You open it. It's like Choose Your Own Adventure. Oh, you crashed. That was a bad decision. You're like, uh, we'll I go, just back. go back and make yeah. the other decision. I just like I always kept my finger there. You know, like <laughs> uh, we'll just go back there. <laughs> if you choose your own adventure with. Uh, Writing letters to the SCCA, I'll, I'll be on the, one of the receiving ends so I can help support. Oh, uh, I was considering being like a real troll yeah. and like because of the, some of the letters I read recently that were directly attached, like they were attacked at me directly oh, yeah. without saying yeah. my name, but they were at me. Yep. I was gonna play around and like directly attack, but like say the color of the car. Yeah. Like, oh, should I blue and orange cars that be moved to T1? Like, <laughs> would that be funny? That would that, make me laugh. And it would make you laugh, but it will probably wouldn't help me get things no, through. Really, no. So, are, are, did you start this? Oh, yeah. I've been oh, recording. Man. I've been yeah. recording for a that while. so documented. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's start it officially. All right. Um, we are at Jackson Racing Supercharger. Or J- just Jackson Racing. Jackson, Jackson Racing. Racing. Well, yeah, yeah. From uh, Which is, it kind of boggles my mind. This is like the, the one of the first things I lusted for so much when I had a Civic when I was younger was a Jackson blower and I wanted one so bad and I put them on my buddy's cars and stuff and I never had one myself but it's, it seems like the pinnacle of things I wanted and I never got and I'm looking at all these all the magazine features on the wall and uh, yeah it's hard to believe that we're here with uh, Oscar Jackson Sr. and Oscar Jackson Jr. so 
It is. Thanks it for is letting us uh, nice. come over, dudes. This is uh, this is really cool. Of course, it's and we just had some really good barbecue with them too. We did. Oh yeah, <laughs> it was delicious. We ate a lot. I like that. I like the pulled pork better than the brisket though. The pulled pork is, was which really is good. rare for me. It was really good. I usually like the brisket better. The pork's my jam. So we've, we've been talking about super touring uh, in the SCCA. Oscar. Uh, oh Jim, yeah, we didn't, we didn't even say who we're here with. I did. Uh, I did. Oh, you did? Yeah, we're okay, with, I'm, not, uh, I'm not listening. We're with we should both of the Ox- Oscar Jacksons. Yeah. Um, Senior, you want to say? Uh, I was just saying, welcome. <laughs> glad, glad to have you guys here. Glad we could go have lunch. I mean, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, one of my passions besides building, you know, high-performance cars is I like to, to smoke and barbecue uh, meat. Oh, do you really? Yeah. And uh, in, in my ranch in Colorado, we have a big smoker. And okay. so every time I'm home, you know, I'm trying some new recipe. So when I find a good barbecue place in yeah. Southern California, like I said, we travel across the country. You know, you get Texas, Louisiana, all those places mm-hmm. have good barbecue. But it's hard to find good barbecue in California. So when we when we found the Blue Fire Grill, it was like, oh yeah, that's that's the place. Yeah, it's just right, right down the, the street. And you know, it's so it, you know, it's in an, the end of an industrial park. You're like, yeah. is yeah. that a restaurant? Yeah. When when we turned in, uh, Austin's like, did we follow the right truck? Because <laughs> we I had know. to check the plate and the license plate frame. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, that's them. That's them. We're pulling into an industrial There's park. Like, what no are we sign for it. And yes, we're yeah, taking you to lunch. lunch. So yeah, it was, it was great having you guys. Yeah, I mean. We got to see it at Daytona. And yep. We got to see it at Laguna Seca. Yep. And now you're here. Just like so. stalking you guys. Yeah, man. it's awesome. That's what it feels like a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Now Austin's like best friends with uh, with everybody cool, and I fly in for 24 hours, and I get to leave again and be like, oh, I wish I was back there. <laughs> see what happens when you don't have a real job. It's yeah, like the, it's nice. so much better. The lady at the restaurant says, uh, "So where are you from?" You said Chicago. She said, oh, I was born in Chicago, yeah. and, and you lived there till I was five years old. When are you going back? Tonight at midnight. <laughs> what, you, you, you just flew in yesterday. The yeah, turn, no, I'm going back at midnight. The turn and burn, man. Yeah, yeah for I, those for those that don't know, Adam is in L.A. for less than 24 hours. I, I think he flew actually, in. No, I'm is in it more? 24 hours in like 20 minutes. Oh, okay. Because I, nice. I landed at like 11.20 and I'm flying out 11.30 and I'm flying out at 11.59. The same plane. Oh, so You're just on the same yeah. plane that's flying. So we yeah. could say you were here for at least a day. A day. Yeah. I slept here for a few hours. Austin and we I, did not get much we sleep. We chatted a little bit too yeah, much. Yeah, we had some and, pillow talk. Yeah, and mm. uh, and then uh, and we woke up about two hours later. Yeah, well, I think <laughs> I think I'll be so tired tonight that uh, I might actually sleep on the plane. And when I go to work directly from the airport, I might uh, I might last until five. We'll see. <laughs> well, we'll see. Yeah. But it was all worth it. All worth it. I get yeah. to hang out at Jackson Racing and eat some barbecue. Barbecue so. was good. Um, so tell us about uh, how Jackson got – how did you guys get your start? Like, how did you start the company? Well, that's way before me, so yeah. I'm going to turn that over to yeah, Senior. Where exactly did you be, did you get your roots from? Um, did yeah, they the, use a roots charger? Or? Yeah. That's uh, true. Uh, roots, roots, I got that. They, they could play on words. Uh, it, it, it's it's a, a fairly a simple story uh, in reality. Um I graduated from high school, and my parents wanted me to be an attorney. And so sounds fun. I started college um, when I got out of high school. And uh, I had been racing motorcycles as a kid, mm-hmm. and I worked at a local motorcycle dealership, uh, actually putting Honda motorcycles together. Okay. And, you know, Hondas, when, when this happened, they, they only had little bikes, you know, 50, 60cc, 90cc yeah. bikes. Trail 70. Yeah, the, and, yeah trail yeah. 70s. The, the, the biggest bike they had was a 350. You know? yeah. yeah. And uh, and then, you know, a couple of years later, they had the 450 and then the 750. But, you know, I was working at a motorcycle dealership and, and racing motorcycles, and I saw Honda go from a 
just a nothing company, you know, with mm. just a couple little 50cc vehicles to world champions in a very yeah. short period of time. And the Honda Civic came out in 1973. I graduated in 72. So by 1973, the end of 72, the Civic was here yeah. as a 73 model. The Arab oil embargo had hit. You know, we couldn't get gas. It was odd and even days. And, you know, oh, we, were, yeah, yeah. we were all driving big vehicles. You know, yeah, nobody everybody. had a fuel-efficient vehicle. <laughs> Everybody's got, like, 61 uh, uh, Lincoln or whatever. Yeah, and uh, you know, the, the the Civic came out, and I, I had a professor um, that really he kind of he, – he, he struck it for me at the time. Um, it was on a, a Monday morning, and uh, – you know, over the weekend, some politician had been shot at. And so he said, you know, Mr. Jackson, he spoke in a monotone, Mr. Norton. And Mr. Jackson, if you were the attorney for the shooter, how would you plead? And I said, guilty of premeditated attempted murder. He said, no, Mr. Jackson, you've got it all wrong. You know, there's got to be a reason that he did that. It's like, listen, he had five days, five minutes, five seconds to think about it. He packed the gun. He went there. He shot at the guy. It's premeditated. But there's got to be a reason. And and it's funny. I look back on 1972 when I said to my professor, you know what? You're, you're t- teaching a generation of people that are going to do nothing but just chase ambulances. And every time yeah. somebody's hurt, you know, they're going to say, oh, well, let's sue that guy. Yeah. And it's funny. This many years later, they call them ambulance chasers. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. it was at that point I went, you know what? I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, Honda's come out with a car. And, you know, they, they have their Civic that was coming out. They're going to do with cars what they did with motorcycles. They're going to be the greatest car company around. Yeah. I'm going to go start building Honda performance parts and work on Hondas. And I had all these diplomas from Honda schools that I'd gone to for yeah. motorcycles. But everything crosses over. I mean, the color codes for Honda wiring is the same. You know, black with the yellow stripe is 12-volt yeah. power, you know. So, Everything that applied to motorcycles applied directly to the car. Okay. And, Especially uh, back when they were kind of motorcycle-based cars. No, no. The Civic was truly a, yeah, it wasn't like over a 600 the, the 600, yeah. the air-cooled 600 that was twin. Kind of a motorcycle car. <laughs> that was a lot like yeah. the 350 twin motorcycle. Yeah. Uh, but it was a, you know, it was a, it was a real automobile. You know, they a real engine, real transmission, and they were doing cutting-edge things that nobody else was doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, yes, they were lightweight and didn't have much insulation but they drove well they got good fuel economy they're well engineered and you could get to them i had been apprenticing uh under a guy that had an independent garage at the time and i worked on volkswagens and mgs and triumphs and as soon as i opened the hood on a honda i went wow somebody actually thought about how to fix this car right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know it does, you don't have to take the engine out to change the slave cylinder or something yeah. you know and uh, I started working for a Honda motorcycle dealership and developing Honda performance products uh, on the weekends and in my off time. Cool. And not really knowing it would get as big as it did, but yeah. I knew what I wanted to do. What was your first product that you built? Like a header or what was it? The first thing I – if I can remember correctly, I think the first thing that I did was I ground my first camshaft with Harry Weber. Yeah. Um, they were in Costa Mesa, close to our dealership, and I went down and I talked to the guys there and said, you know, I, I want to make a camshaft, a performance camshaft for this Honda Civic. And they looked at me and said, 
for a Honda? <laughs> no, it's, a, it's an Why? Econo box, you know? Yeah. And uh, so I bought a bunch of brand new cams from Honda and took them down and we reground them and we tried a bunch of different specifications. So we found the ones that, and... the, the, that the car liked and I started making cams for them. Okay. Well, of course, when I did that, then I had to start making headers for them and, you know, started making headers. And so it, it kind of snowballed from there. Yeah. Uh, just taking things apart and putting them together originally were they just parts that you wanted to have for yourself well in the beginning yes i built everything for myself but the 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 master plan in the back of my head whether i admitted it was there or not was someday i want to have a big parts company i just wasn't sure if there was like a honda tuning market back then so ultimately he said if i want something i need to go make it i gotta make it and and you know we were we were talking at lunch about eibach and uh I, at the time, uh, back in the 70s and 80s, I had to make production runs of springs. I would go to a spring winder, and they would wind it to my specification. Yeah, yeah. And because nobody had springs or sway bars or anything for a Honda. <laughs> What's a Honda, <laughs> Honda you know? And it's so like I was doing, for a Daewoo. I was doing production <laughs> runs of them. And when Eibach came to America, they actually came to my store in Huntington Beach and said, hey, you know, we're Eibach and we're opening a place here in Southern California. Mm-hmm. We're no longer just Germany. Yeah. Um, and uh, in essence, we're, we're going to crush you. <laughs> you, know, if mm-hmm. you. You should have your springs made by us. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I had a good gig going with my spring manufacturer at the time so i kept doing it but ibach of course has gone from just importing springs to manufacturing Never the springs been, yeah. to they're the guys i mean they do a great job their their product yeah. is is really good and uh but i mean when it started out i had to make everything you know no one would say oh well yeah here's the part number just order it off yeah. the off the rack i mean we had to make everything and hmm. we had to make when, when was it a full time job for you it, i i see in your shirts it was established 1979 but when did, when were you doing it like every day it, it's interesting we we put the logo on the shirt in 1979 cuz that's when i got my first business license yeah. but i was i was working um i'd work at the dealership uh, our dealership did really well um Myself and, and the guys that I trained, we were very fanatical about our customer service and our product and the way we service yes. the cars. And we had a huge reputation, University Honda, Costa Mesa. And our service drive would be booked day mm-hmm. in and day out. And finally, we decided we added more employees and we still couldn't get the cars serviced enough in a daytime. So we started a night shift. Yep. You know, our service manager said, hey, let's start a night shift. And I was the shop foreman. So I volunteered to do the night shift. I was single, you know, no kids, just a, my Labrador retriever and I. So <laughs> I worked the night shift. So I would work during the day at my shop. I opened a, a small shop on Huntington Beach, and I would work at my shop from 7 o'clock in the morning till 4 in the afternoon. And my customers knew that they had to be there by 4, or I'd leave their keys hidden someplace. They'd stick a check through the mail slot. I would go to work at the dealership. And work from five to midnight or five till two in the morning, depending sleep on how busy we were, and, and sleep for a few hours. But you can do that when you're 25 years yeah. old, you know, and not at my age now. I, no. I, I need my nap, you know. <laughs> uh, but I did that for two years, and finally said, you know, I, I got to bite the bullet here, and and mm-hmm. you know, so I actually got a business license. So 1979 was what we we call the official starting yeah. year. And I dove off into the deep end, left the dealership, and, and never looked back. And cool. we've been doing this ever since. Yeah. So, so as far as Honda tuning in the U.S., uh, you were probably one of the first ones to really start playing with the Honda. 
There was um, a there was a couple of guys actually dabbling in it. Um, I, I remember reading an article a while back that the guy who kind of set up a lot of the Honda dealerships for cars. I think he or some a friend of his was the was the one who road raced um, first gen Civics, and I forget the guy's name, but it was just featured in a magazine a couple of years ago. Um, but yeah, there was like almost no. He was like one of the only ones playing with a Honda, like making it go fast. And so it seems like some of the Honda dealerships were started because of the enthusiasm of whatever that guy's name was. I can't remember right now. Well, I don't, I don't know that particular story, but it was a gray first gen Civic. Um, I think it was featured in he, the Honda he, Is that the one that's in the, the museum? The I museum? think it is. Yeah. Uh, I want to say the guy's name is Bob something. But, yeah, uh, um, I can't remember the name of it. Yeah. I don't know him in particular, but when I was at the car dealership, and it was uh, 75, 6, 7, that, that era. I, don't, mm-hmm. I can't remember the year. But I was making cams and carburetor yeah, yeah. kits and all kinds of stuff. And, uh, you know, there was no internet then. So, you, you know, yeah. if you read something, it had to come out of a magazine someplace. So... You know, getting disseminating information from around the world was hard, hard to do. You know, you had to hope that you saw a little ad in a magazine someplace. And uh, I was working at the dealership, and uh, some mail came in to the service manager, and it said, you know, Honda Civic racing this weekend at Laguna Seca. And I didn't know where Laguna Seca was. Yeah. <laughs> but I saw the picture of the car. In fact, I still have the picture in my desk drawer someplace. And uh, I went, oh, I, I got to do that. So one of my buddies at the dealership, we said, on Friday night, we'll get off work. We'll drive to wherever this place is, and we got to go see these cars. And I was just a young enthusiast, like the young people that, that, yeah. you know, that are listening to the podcast. Well, we get the map out to figure out where it is. And I'm like, this place is 350 miles away. That's like I, seven what, hours. Because you know, Laguna Beach is nearby here, yeah, right? Yeah. 30 miles away and <laughs> yep. people would say oh yeah they're racing at laguna i'm like oh well, <laughs> no, that's right, right down right? the road and when we figured out laguna seca is in yeah. monterey it's, a, it's like, a common confusion for the modern white girl <laughs> yeah. you say i tell her you know hey i'm going to be racing at laguna they think laguna beach but it's really <laughs> laguna seca yeah, we're going to san francisco <laughs> so we <laughs> took <laughs> off and we drove you know seven hours to laguna seca we got there at, you know two in the morning or something mm-hmm. And we drive up, we see the gate, and the gate's closed, and you know, we're like, well, we've got to figure out something. So we just drove down the road. There's a long white picket fence around the racetrack, and there was a break in the fence. We literally drove through the bushes, parked under a tree, and slept in the car overnight. <laughs> drove in the next day, and the picture I have here in my desk someplace, I took a picture of this Civic. It was black with colored stripes, orange and yellow stripes mm-hmm. on the side, and had four motorcycle carburetors on it and mm-hmm. big oil cooler. And I looked at it and was like, this is what I do. I'm, I'm yeah. doing stuff like this. I got very excited that so cool. someone else was excited to do it. Now, I, I don't know the absolute uh, the absolutes on this, but the entrant of that car, the guy's has the same name as the guy that owns Vortex Superchargers today. Oh, really? And I think it's the same guy. Okay. Um, so, I, I, I mean, it'd be good to, to ask the guy that owns Vortex, did you yeah. ever race a Civic back then? Yeah. Um, but apparently the Civic was funded through Honda's marketing department, and they funneled it out the back door to this guy to build this car, and, okay. and they ran some IMSA races with it. But it, that got me really enthused that, you know, I, I need to learn more about yeah. people road racing. racing and things, yeah. I was just an engine builder. I was taking things apart and yeah. studying them and, you know, doing stuff with engines. But 
that that's a, a little bit of the early heritage, but there was a company in Connecticut called AT Engineering, and it was owned by a guy named Serge Herabowski. Okay. And uh, Serge was making Honda parts, and I saw an ad in a magazine one day, so I was like, oh, where's the guy making high-performance stuff? So I contacted him, and I said, I'm doing stuff in California. You know, I'm doing cams and headers, and he's like, well, we, you know, we got this better stuff, and you should buy from me. So I I ordered some stuff from him, and months went by. I thought he'd lost the order, and the stuff finally shows up one day, and it was horrible. It didn't fit. It didn't work. <laughs> it, the parts were missing, and I... I called him up and said, this stuff is awful, right? You, you sent me stuff that doesn't work. And he said, well, if you think you do a better job, just do it yourself. And that was the <laughs> impetus for going, yeah. all right, you want to D- throw down the challenge? I'll DIY. do it. Now, yep. the interesting part of that story is the guy that, had, that he was working for him at the time in sales now owns King Motorsports. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, so one, that, that's yeah, a, one of the other old school Honda tuners, really. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he older, would. Yeah. I, I I never met Serge personally, but of course the, uh, the guy from King would know Serge. But anyway, he left AT Engineering and eventually went to work at King and then bought King. I, I think I've, he's an owner, a partner, yeah. or something. And I don't yep. I don't know I don't know him completely. And never actually spent any time with him. But I talked mm-hmm. to him on the phone a few a few times in the seventies. Wow. So a long time ago, but. Um, yeah, so there was a couple of guys dabbling in it at the time, but nobody trying hard. Yeah. You know, they, were, they were throwing stuff at it and hoping that it hit. It, it seems like every car that comes out there, somebody wants to make it faster. So at least you picked a good one <laughs> to, to start with. Well, I mean, if you know, you think about it. If you had to do it today, yeah. say, okay, let's find a, a startup car company yeah. that you're going to go jump onto and hope that it does well who mm. would that be yeah, like I mean, maybe 10 years ago it would have been what Tesla. Or... <laughs> when when i gonna build smart cars yeah. as an example when i was working on the honda civic when i got excited about the honda civic subaru had just come to america yeah, yeah. with a 360 cc rear engine two-stroke car mm-hmm. oh that was a tiny one that looked yeah. like a mini Coop, and, and like everybody looked at it and said Cooper. there's not a serious car company but yeah. you look at subaru today they're a serious car yeah. company yeah so that was an example of that era, uh, startup car companies yeah. that went, well, we just have to apply ourselves and do a good job. Subaru was one of them. Honda was one of them. Honda yeah. didn't build cars, but when they built the first uh, S600 in Japan and they only brought you know a couple of dozen of them here to the States, I yeah. don't know what the real number was. I think but, there are more of them here now than they ever actually imported, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're bringing them over, but you know, uh, 10,000 RPM redline, yeah. 600cc, four carburetors, yeah. twin cam. Uh, I worked on a lot of those cars. This had yeah. a chain drive on the outboard part chain of the axle. Drive. Yeah, on the early ones, stuff. early yeah. ones had chain drive uh, at the rear on the outboard part of the shop. Right. I still have a shop manual here for them. So. <laughs> That's so cool. It's probably worth a million dollars today because yeah. it's an original shop manual. But uh, so yeah, that was the that was kind of the the beginning of the the Honda thing. And um, you know, to get discovered, you know, he used to go around and try to. Just go to event like Mulholland and go up and down Mulholland and. You oh know. yeah, there was no internet, so you. Really. But we would go on on Friday nights. We'd go cruise from where I lived in Westminster, and we'd cruise over to the Mall of Orange, which is nearby our shop here, 
and we'd cruise because everybody went cruising on Friday and Saturday. Yeah, it was nights, like you know? American Graffiti. Yeah, yeah. just yeah. like American Graffiti. <laughs> so you go looking for places to cruise, and back in that era, yeah. air cooled Volkswagens were the hot thing. Were they really? Air cooled drag race big Volkswagens coming out the back. Those just were a big the megaphone out the back. Those were yep. the imports, and uh, so that was the only import at the time yeah. was Volkswagens and they had those things pretty ramped up yeah, you know some of them were very fast 2180s and and uh, big dual downdraft carburetors and so we would go out and hunt Volkswagens at night you know we we, we would go you know, be very very quiet we would go cruise around and uh, and and hunt Volkswagens so that That's was so our thing cool. and you know i had you know the cars were slammed, fender flares, big tires. You know, you you had to make a, st- a statement, yeah, visibly make so, a statement for so people to look at your car. That's happening now. Yeah. So in the nineties, <laughs> except that instead of taking them to car sticks. shows and a car trailer, we actually drove them and actually raced them. You know? <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah. That, they're now they're all trailer queens. It's all trailer queens now, or, or you know, all of the wide body. Yeah. And uh, you know, yeah, most, under, and then in the '90s and 2000s, it was underglow. And m- all that. Most of the wide-body cars are illegal in in racing series nowadays. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, how did you get your start in uh, in actual uh, racing? Like, uh, which form of racing did you kind of pursue first? Well, we were dabbling in some autocross stuff, and okay. and and you know. I, I like I said I came from a motorcycle background, yeah. so I, I'm I, having I've got a, a Jackson parts catalog from. I was telling I was telling uh, Junior about it. I think it's an '88. He he thinks it's got a prelude. I'm going to grab it right now. Yeah, I've I've got one that came in my old. It's a it's a Lemons car now, but it was an ITB CRX and then ITC. It's an '84 CRX. Yeah, and it was in a folder, um, in the uh, in the car, and it's like mostly suspension stuff. It's more suspension stuff than uh, than than anything. So you were focused more on. Yep, that's it right there. Uh, you were focused more on uh, autocross at first and. Well, you know, as I said, when we started out, we would just cruise. We would go place. We, we heard Mulholland Drive was a place to go, so we'd go up on Mulholland Drive and race everybody on Mulholland yeah. Drive. And uh, for all you kids out there listening, don't, don't race on the street. Yeah, and terrible idea. It's a terrible idea. That's why we go to. If race it's just track. you, though, it's not racing, right? That's right. It was just me driving yeah. past. But we, you know, we it learned. Was also, a, it was le- also a different era. I mean, we don't have. You didn't have the outlets that you do now. You know, now we have track days, you and know, there's twice of, as many people in the country now. Well, you think so, of also I mean, with you know, slip angles. You guys talk about track days and yeah. ro- road racing. Back in the old days, you either drove on the street fast or you yeah. built a race car. You there was no like in between. There, yeah. You either there went was to the no track or the cage. Same car thing with sport bikes. There was no way to take a sport bike and, and just go do a track day. Yeah. You either had to be an AMA or AFM racer. Yeah. Or you had no place to ride or your nothing. bike fast. Yeah, yeah it was when, like when pro, I started, pro or nothing yeah. for the most part. Yeah, when I started doing track day stuff, like there was like one track day a year you could go to, like in 2000. Or 2000. And, and by That's us, early like, days of track just, days. They yeah. just didn't exist. Like there was like the, and then like Club SI had like one a year. Yeah. Uh, it just well, didn't exist. Even, so. even now, I mean, the general public, you know, enthusiasts, most enthusiasts know that you can go to a track day. But yeah, still, a there's, there's a lot of enthusiasts that don't realize that, yep. hey, I can take my car right now and go put it out on a track. Yeah. Correct. There's a lot of people that don't realize that. And well, they'll it, mention to me, they're like, I can go take my car on the track? Yeah. yeah. And, and that's yeah. The, your question about how we got started. When we decided we wanted to go do some actual racing, but we didn't want to cut up our street car and have to put a cage in it and belts and everything else, found out we could do autocross. Yeah. Said, okay, well, let's go do some autocrosses. And... So we started dabbling in, in autocross with our Civics. And the big turning point was 1984 when the CRX came out. Yeah. I mean, 
we had been gaining a little momentum every year but again it's a very limited very small market but what there was i had because nobody else wanted to get into a market that was so small there was wasn't used getting into it right. yeah. well let oscar do it he's the only guy you know. yeah, he's, and, he's crazy and, and, and none of the manufacturers ibach nobody at the time would make springs or sway bars or anything yeah. any part for these cars so we had to make everything and 84 the crx came out and uh, i remember before the crx came out um there was a guy who had a shop right down the alley for me he ride by on his bicycle probably 15 years older than I am. And uh, real, I didn't realize how brilliant an engineer he was, but he just he lived near the beach. He'd ride his beach cruiser and sandals and shorts, and he'd stop by and say, hey, how you doing? Oh, well, we're making these Honda car parts. You know, we're doing... Cool, you know, never said much. <laughs> and uh, this is 1983, and I'm out there working on the new Prelude, and he rides up on his bicycle and he says to me, you got to keep doing what you're doing because your business is getting ready to quadruple in size. I go, what, what are you talking about? He goes, just trust me. Trust me. <laughs> I said, what, what, what do you know? I, said, I just trust me. And a week or so later, he shows up with a kind of a scale model, a clay scale model <laughs> of the CRX. Oh, was he like a designer for Bob Marianich? He was the CRX really? designer. He wow. was the chief designer. Oh, so won awesome. a bunch of awards for it. That's so cool. And he said, "He goes, what do you think of this?" And I said, "Oh my goodness, that's a really cool little piece." You know, <laughs> yeah. he goes, it, "It's a real thing, and it it will be out someday soon." That's and he, I mean, wow. he, he was in. You know, he couldn't say much about yeah. it, but he just said. You're in the right place. He's just at the, the same right guy time. that would ride the, his bike by the shop for years. Yep. And uh, when the CRX came out, it was like, oh my God, this thing is just incredible. And uh, we, like I said, we were doing some autocross. There was a husband and wife team that raced locally. And so I approached them and they had a CRX. And I said, hey, why don't we get together and I'll, I'll kind of tune on your car and we'll go see if we can win an SCCA championship. Well, we destroyed everybody that year. Yeah. He won the men's division. She won the women's division. Ron Hawsey and his wife, Tracy. And we just dominated. And it was like, okay, well, we need to go road racing now. right? Let's find out. We know what this autocross stuff is. Let's go road racing. Yeah. And so in 1985, we went and, and started road racing. And it was during the year of 85, 86 that I met Lance Stewart, who won a bunch of my championships. And then... Right after that, Lance introduced me to a, a young kid that was doing some autocross stuff, and he was trying to trying to make it, and had didn't have a good car and didn't have a good car builder. And he says, "Let me introduce you, to Oscar, to He's this been friend a guest of ours on the show. Let, let me introduce you to this friend of mine, Peter Cunningham. Oh, we've had him. Oh, on. yeah. <laughs> and uh, I know so that guy. That's cool. I built the '87 Civic Hatch. Um, yep. The following year, I built two of them, one for Lance and and one for Peter. And uh, we went back to the runoffs, and we dominated the runoffs. What class was that in back then? Uh, Show them stock C. Yep, that's what I thought. And uh, Peter and Lance were running up front, and then a bolt came out of the shifter or something on Peter's car. I don't know what yeah. it was. I can't remember. It's been so long ago. But we had it. We were going to have a one-two finish. Yeah. It, just, it was going to matter who. It was It was like when we showed up, it was like Mercedes does right now in formula one just one of those two guys are going to yeah, win we're not sure field, everybody right? else will be behind them <laughs> That's so and cool. uh so i mean it's and i built good cars i mean i, I you know I, I did a real good job with cars but when you got guys of 
Peter Cunningham's driving ability yeah. and Lance Stewart's driving ability. It's like you just have to give them good cars. They make you look like superstars. I mean, I am blessed to have had great racers. Ron Hawsey drove for me. Um, Scott Gaylord, um, who beat us in 85 in the, in the road race championship, went on to race NASCAR, Winston West. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a Renault Cup champion. Great driver. He drove in the 24 hours with us several times. I mean, I've had some really, really, really great drivers. And I'm blessed that I have Junior today because yeah. he's grown up with all of these great drivers. And literally through osmosis, you know, literally having them, you know, having him at the track in a backpack walking around watching the races and he, he, he hearing us talking about quarter entry and, oh, don't do this in this corner and we're doing that in that corner. I mean, he's grown up, you know, people always say, why is he so fast? Or like, he's spent his whole life with the greatest drivers of my time. So, you know, I'm blessed as far as that yeah. goes. But that's what got us started. And, you know, we, we entered the endurance championship in 88. We dominated the championship in 88 and 89. And when he was born in 88, I didn't travel as much in 89. By the end of 89, I said, you know what? I've won everything. We've won pro solo championships, solo two mm-hmm. championships. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but we won a round of the World Rally Championship in 1986. Really? I, I got the picture of someplace. <laughs> really? 1986, we were racing a CRX out here in the desert. In WRC? Uh, yeah. Well, we were racing in the California <laughs> Rally Series, just a local rally yeah, series. Yeah. yeah. And a guy named Ray Hawker, and he now runs the rally series in the U.S., but um, it, we were sponsoring him. And yeah. uh, the last year, 1986, was the last year of the Group B supercars, you know, mid-engine mm-hmm million inches of travel yeah, yeah. and a zillion horsepower four-wheel drive carbon fiber everything it was they were they're banning them at the end of 86 and we found out that they were having a round in olympus washington of yeah. the rally championship yeah, yeah, yeah. i was like we need to go see these cars and then ray said why don't we enter the race <laughs> right that way we have credentials we go anywhere yeah like, yeah We'll enter the race. We'll, ra- we'll enter the world rally <laughs> championship like a good idea at the time <laughs> right it seemed like a really good idea <laughs> sure, at the time. why not so we we you know put a lot more work into the car put a limited slip and it you yep. know more skid plates bigger spring race what year crx was that uh 1986 okay First and gen. uh so we went to olympus and we go through park for may and they check our car and all the safety stuff and they give me the paperwork and we go up to the little french lady there that we need to fill in our paperwork and get our thing it's just okay you have uh everything is good yeah um you will be in a group B supercar. And I was like, what? No, 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 no. We're, 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 we're a stock car. No, you only have two seats. Two seats means you're a group B supercar. <laughs> I, oh, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. It's like, no. Well, you, we're going to get last place. You get to so. race in the under two liter class. Yeah. All the other ones race in the over two liter. So we were in the, the most of the cars were 1.6, but they were still factory built million dollar race cars. Yeah. You know, the, yeah, the, Big big names that were this in the rally at like the height of its power. Too. Yeah, yeah. launch a Delta S fours with superchargers and turbochargers, yeah. and <laughs> so we're we're racing against these guys. And so I said to Ray, I said, "Okay, here's the deal: we have no chance against these cars. We have 120 horsepower; they have 700. No, 120 out of an EW is pretty good too. Yeah. So <laughs> I said, just drive around don't go off any jumps just drive around like you're on a dirt road for the day right we got three days of this and all we can do is hope that everybody else crashes out and we don't 
Everybody else crashed out. We didn't. We won <laughs> the round. We won the world championship. And I think it's the only Honda that's ever won a round of the world cool. rally championship. When it was all said and done, we just kept chugging away. We kept yeah. fixing things that were coming loose and breaking. I mean, I yeah, learned that, a lot from that event. Of, that, that, you know, that particular generation of CRX doesn't seem strong enough to be a rally car. <laughs> I have one. It's not that good. Well, you know, the, the rear motor mount that, that goes to the engine and trans, there's three big 17-millimeter yep. bolts that hold it. As big as those bolts are mm-hmm. and as much Loctite as I put on them, I had to tighten them at every stop. Every yeah. time we had a, a that stop. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. I, my We've job had was, that come loose on our Lemons car. I had to dive in over the top of the intake manifold with a ratchet yeah. and tighten the bolts back up. And then they would work themselves loose by the time we yep. got to the next I remember nut and bolting our Lemons car and, and I think it was my brother saying, did you tighten the engine mount bolts last time? <laughs> but yeah, they, they, they're not that good. <laughs> so yeah, so we, we had we had won everything, you know, including a round of the World Rally Championship. And What, what is our SECA championship total it's like 40 i think we're 44 or 45 titles wow um and in every kind of you guys need to get a life i'll tell you what yeah (laughs) i mean i didn't drive all of them but you know we built uh, most of those cars so back then we were the guy so if you were racing pro solo solo two whatever everybody brought their cars to us and we prepped and built all these cars and and you know we were we're blessed to have all those championships and uh, and be torn down. I used to tell people, you know, you don't know what it's like until you get to the runoffs and you're in the teardown shed and they're looking at everything. You know, yeah. you people, oh, I can do this, I can do that. No, you can't. No, nope. you know, you hear, yeah, you hear a lot of yeah. engine builders say they can do these special things, but they've never been torn down, so they don't know. Yeah, my my <laughs> my own engine builder or the the guy that works on my head, he he said, well, I'll I'll just do this, I'll I'll do that, and I'm like, well, if I happen to do okay at the runoff someday. <laughs> I would rather not get bounced. <laughs> so, yeah. no. So, uh, you know, people, because we, we were doing a lot of engines back then, and we had ads in SCCA magazine, and guys would call me and say, well, we talked to John Doe, engine builder, and he says that he can give me 10% more power than you and leave no fingerprints in the engine. And I'd say, you know what? That guy's never won a championship, ever. Yeah. He's never been in teardown. So for him to say that he can do it and not leave any fingerprints and get you through tech – He's lying to you because he's never been there. Yeah. One, his cars have never won. Two, he's never been in teardown, so he has no idea what goes on in there. So you need yeah. to have us do your stuff for you. I, I, I've heard that uh, some of the old showroom stock uh, teardowns were like, I mean, they would take it down to almost a tub, like take everything mm-hmm. off of the car. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just I mean, everything. They pull my, box. pull my motor apart, measure that, and then pull the transmission down, count every gear. Unbelievable in the gearbox and then pull the wiring harness out and check every circuit looking for resistors in the circuit to see if i was richening up the mixture somehow and uh, i mean take the shocks off take the springs off and measure the spring rate so the spring rate checker at the track they had stacks of oem parts to compare against the parts that came off the car and you'd and you used to bring factory parts with you just because and and steal the honda sealed package so that yep. when they to would say oh we don't know it's like yeah. no, no here's a factory that you're like part. control there well we we got thrown out in 1988 at the runoffs after lance won and uh they tore the engine down found nothing wrong with the engine i put it in a the box they said well you can take it away so no it's going to go in the trunk of the car oh we want to see the transmission now so they tore the transmission down the second day and found nothing because Friday was the first day of teardown. And back then the rule said mandatory four-hour four maximum teardown. 
So at the end of tearing the motor down, we were way past six hours. Yeah. I said, so are we going home? Uh, well, no, we want to look at the transmission now. Well, but why? It says maximum four hours. It's up to the discretion of the tech inspector. We want to look deeper. So they tore the transmission down and counted everything on Saturday. On Sunday, they tore all the suspension parts off of the car and measured everything. When they got done, I had no. I I had to spend the rest of Saturday, uh, the rest of Monday, after Making everybody left, again. couldn't even roll. Yeah, put the car back together so I could roll it onto the trailer. <laughs> so yes, the teardowns were yeah. intense, intense. Yeah. You know, they do that now for Spec Miata. Pretty much, yeah. None of the rest of the classes. <laughs> they they yeah. need to tech tech a couple classes a little bit more in my yeah. opinion but uh yeah and, but and teardown it, was tough back then it, that sounds uh that sounds like almost a, a deterrent to racing um but that that was such a big class back then it um, was i mean i i i hear them talk about the classes you know we're we're only uh you know 30 miles away from where riverside raceway used to be which right. is our big track here yep. right and uh riverside raceway uh, they talk about their entries for a regional, by the way, not even, you know, not a, we laugh a at regionals or whatever. It's, it's sad, but we laugh at regionals. We only think about, I only think about majors. Yeah. Nationals and majors. That's all I care about. Mm -hmm. A regional. Okay. Whatever. But back then you guys had regionals. A regional championship was a big deal in Southern California one. And then two, just the regional classes, you guys had, we had we'd have 40, entries, we'd have 40, entries, ca yeah. 40 cars allowed on track, 60 cars entered, had qualifying races to try and make, to make the heat, to, to make the heats. Wow. wow. And that's wow. classy. In Strom Stock. Oh my goodness. When I went to the class. runoffs back in the eighties, when we were racing Strom Stock B and C, um, I, I had a minimum of 25 customers, 25 cars that went there with us. <laughs> <laughs> and when they bounced me in 88, I said, well, I, I don't need to do this anymore. I mean, it, don't get me wrong. I did some very creative stuff to make the cars go fast. Yeah. And if someone would have found that part and said, well, what's this? I would have had to say, you got me. But they threw me out for something I didn't do. Oh you know? yeah, <laughs> the, the this and it's funny. I I had to do it for so many years. The cylinder head thickness on those CRXs, the spec in the book is three inch five thirty to three inch five forty. Yep. I, I I can recite the spec. Yeah, I believe. And my car was three inch five thirty five. It right wasn't five thirty. Yeah. It wasn't five forty. It's five thirty five. We raced it in the IMPS Endurance Series and the Playboy SCCA Endurance Series. So the car was tired. We had yeah. a lot of race miles on it. So I freshened it for the runoffs. I took five thousandths off the head. It was still within spec. Well, they tried to toss me because the head was too thin. Well, as he said, I always brought a lot of brand new parts. So I appealed the decision, and they yep. said the absolute spec is three inch five forty. Nothing else. So hmm. nobody holds a tolerance that tight in the appeals board. Said, ah, that's the tolerance. So I brought a brand new head in in a box. And I said, here's a brand new head. Here's the part number. It's still The box is stapled, still hermetic. I don't know what the number is. Let's take that brand new head out and measure, measure it. it. Yeah. And it was 3-inch 545. It was actually thicker than stock. I said, so if I was running that head, making less power, you'd throw me out? Yep. Like, that's just dumb. So the, the, the tech inspection back then was ridiculous, too. Yeah. It's like... I, and I get it. We had won so many championships in a row. Like I said, I had Lance Stewart and Peter Cunningham. I mean, yeah. you know, it, it's not hard to win when you've got a spec got class corner, and you've got yeah. those guys driving for you. And yep. we won a lot of championships, and everybody just assumed our stuff was dirty, and they were going to throw us out for something. Yeah. So they just picked something that 
we hadn't done and threw us out for it. So yeah. at that point, Junior had been born, and I thought, you know what? I know how to win championships, but, you know, I, I want to be a dad now. So yeah. I, I stayed home. I, I just I quit traveling. And uh, 1990, the import drag thing was starting to get big. We were doing some pretty big stuff, turbochargers on a lot of cars. And yeah. We would go to a local drag strip, Carlsbad Raceway or LACR, and it was all, you know, American muscle cars, and yeah. and we would get boohooed, even though I wasn't a, you know, it was all white guys, and I'm white, but they would give me grief because oh, you're those rice guys. Like, uh-huh. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, I'm white Caucasian here, right? Yeah, Just leave let, me alone. Let me Come make on. some runs. We're friends. And there'd be forty Honda cars lined up to make runs, and six muscle cars, but the muscle cars got to run all day long, oh, and the really? Hondas were always waiting in line. So Frank Choi and uh, and his brother Mike were we were all good friends and and Frank was kind of into that drag race you know street racing scene and I think dude that's just bad you know we can't keep drag racing these things on these side streets somebody's going to get killed yeah he said yeah but we go to the, go to the tracks and we just get beat up yeah said, let's do our own race and so Frank Rent came up track, with the yeah. concept of doing Battle of the Imports and he yep. went to LACR and we sponsored the deal i said listen i'll throw money at it i'll sponsor it but let's go do our own thing and that was the nucleus of getting okay. import drag racing started so you know i came from dominating autocross and then you know pro solo and then road racing and then endurance racing we won back-to-back championships and then we went drag racing yeah the very first drag race he was he was just two years old and he was sitting in the car seat in the back, and you know, because I was sponsoring the event, and I had the fastest car. They wanted me to do exhibition runs, so I'd do exhibition runs with him in the back seat. <laughs> and we would go down the strip, and he'd get all excited. And then we'd pull onto the access road. He'd just start screaming, just yeah. unhappy that we weren't going. Fast. I want to go fast <laughs> And I'd say, "Okay, okay, we'll we'll make another run." So I'd get down. I'd say, "Frank, can I make another run?" Yeah, what's wrong with him? So he wants to go fast again. He said, oh, I thought he was scared. So, oh, no, no, he, want, he wants to go down the drag strip. <laughs> so as long as I was going down the drag strip, he was fine. As soon as we'd stop yeah. the car and get out, he would just pitch a fit. You know? <laughs> so, I, I cruised around with mom. All, my mom and uh, and my dad both met getting their SCCA licenses. So, oh, cool. So they, my mom's a racer as well. Yeah. So mom mom hot-rodded around during the day. So yeah. I, I think I had it on, on both ends. Yeah, there. sitting at stoplights is boring. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's uh yeah that's quite a history man I uh, I didn't anticipate a lot of that going that way yeah I, I didn't know you had so many SCCA <laughs> championships uh, on cars that you worked on so oh yeah um, I mean it and that's what it's funny is you ask we, we joked at the beginning here is uh, you is he going to be able to talk oh yeah yeah you ask a question there'll be a there'll be a story yep. with well, that's that usually question. how it goes well I mean yeah. it, it, there there's there's a couple of offshoots from like the World Rally car you know that was a that was an offshoot of something that. I said, well, let's go try this. You know? Yeah, we were we were dominating the endurance championship in '88, and uh, Mazda was running there. They had an off-road truck team mm-hmm. uh, that raced the Baja 1000 with the Score people, and uh, they were just getting slaughtered. And they had an engine builder that was doing their stuff, but he he came from a drag racing big block Chevy drag racing background, and he was trying to make the things too big and too whatever. Anyway, yeah, they couldn't make them They live, approached huh? me and said. Would you build our engines for for 1989 for off road trucks? I said I I got a full plate, you know I, my my car thing and you know, Hondas and like, yeah, we'll throw money at it if that's what it takes. And I was like, you know I never had done off road vehicles, although I raced dirt bikes all my life. And I said, well, all right, you know let's let's give this a shot. So 
I built the engines for, and there's a poster in uh, in the other office. You, yeah. you saw it flying that, that, through the air? Yeah. That yeah. truck. Yeah, I, I wonder built, why that was in there. I built the <laughs> engines for that truck. <laughs> so partway through 89. On I was the fender up, of that truck, it says Jackson Racing. That's why. Oh, okay. And uh, I was at Mazda. I didn't and they, think it was an accident that the thing was hanging. <laughs> yeah, there wasn't, wasn't an accident. The guys at Mazda said, hey, um, you're in the inner sanctum. Come here. I want to show you something. And they took me back into this back design room and here was a miata this is late 80s 89 yeah beginning of 89 was that, okay. was that tom that it wasn't tom maton okay. it was just some okay. of the other engineers that i worked with okay and they showed me the car i was like oh, wow that's yeah. a really cool car i said yeah front engine rear drive and the, the more i looked at it I went oh this would race against my crx's crap and I'm like, <laughs> this is a pretty good looking car i said you, yep. are you guys gonna make this car i said it's in production and it was like, uh-oh, <laughs> my CRXs are in big trouble. Yeah. But we we ran the, the trucks the rest of that year. And then for the Baja 1000, there's a section of the course that's mostly fast fire roads and pavement. Mm-hmm. And Wayne DeMonja, the guy that owned the truck and ran the, the thing, he was a good off-road racer. But he wasn't a pavement racer. You know, he was a, you know, read the desert, figure out where the bumps are. And so they were like, we need co-drivers. Why don't we get you and Lance to co-drive on the pavement, fast dirt road section? And uh, would you guys do that? I was like, heck yeah. <laughs> so Lance and I volunteered to go race this truck in, in Mexico all the way to the end of the peninsula to La Paz. Yep. Yep. Never been there before. Never saw the race course. Everybody else pre-runs and they know the course pretty well. We got stuck in it at you know 2 o'clock in the morning and said, here you go. Get from point A to point B. Here's a flashlight and a route book. Yeah. And uh, just follow the lit up flares and tones on the side of the road. <laughs> and uh, where's the GPS? Yeah. So we we uh, you know with Lance driving, I he, he, Junior always says, you know, Dad, why don't, why don't you ride with me? We're going out to do a track day, do a test day. I said, No, I don't want to ride with you. And, <laughs> and it's because I rode with Lance. In the Baja 1000, he, he, I said, I never want to be in this passenger seat ever with, again yeah. he, he, with a guy that's fast because they know what they're doing, but I'm in the passenger seat going, <laughs> oh, my God. But we yep. had a fantastic race. We put that thing right at the front, and uh, Wayne got back in it sometime in the morning to, to make the final run to the end of the course, and he got stuck in some some sand pit someplace, and when the pastor opened the door to get out, some other vehicle went by and took the door off of it. and we gave him the truck. It was in perfect condition in the lead. When it got to La Paz, it was trash. <laughs> we ended up third or third or fourth, I think. But so I did, you know, we, we, we did some off-road racing yeah. with that and did well. And uh, in 91, one of the teams that runs an unlimited is called a Class uh, class 7, no, Class 10 uh, buggy. Unlimited mm-hmm. suspension, 1.6 liter motor. Mm-hmm. And they had won the championship with an air-cooled Volkswagen, but they never won a race the previous year. So they had heard about me, and they came to me and said, you know, you do things different than everybody else. We need to build a Toyota MR2 motor and stick it in the back of this car because air-cooled Volkswagens can't compete anymore. Uh, but everybody blows these MR2 motors up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they win, and then they blow up, and they win, and they blow up. We, we need to – so I built this thing for them, and we destroyed the competition in 91. A great year. We've – dominated everything i never sold a single motor to anybody that year 
Really? We dominated everybody, and I'd go around and you know try and pedal my wares the other teams. Nobody so else wanted to buy. Listen, I, you know what you know, and they'd look at my car and go, "No, it's all wrong." You know, like I built Triwi headers, and everybody else is using this four into one. Yep. But I said the tri the Triwi is a better header. It gives you broader torque, better. But you know, nah, I'm I'm gonna go with this four into one. You just got beat by a Triwi. Why don't you? What? Yeah. I, I couldn't convince these guys to to go my direction on engines. I spent two years in Baja and score trying to get an engine program going because we had a good motor shop and never sold an engine in, in, to anybody in that series. I went, never mind, I'm going to leave. And, and, so. and, you know, you, you hear all these stories about us having a, a pretty good engine building program, and we don't build engines today for anybody except for our own cars. Yeah. Um, and we do a really good job at our own cars, but it's funny is that we don't, build engines now you know we, we focused on just too frustrating it kind of was it is it's frustrating yeah. and you know because everyone wants it like they want to come and tell you their own formula and you're yeah. like no, no 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 i already know the formula it's this yeah. but then there's the guy that just has his scca car that's like no i think in yeah. my wild head i read on the internet the other on day. the internet says that i should do this yeah, yeah i read like, on honda tech honda yeah. tech <laughs> yep and and it's like i just i i, I told you, you know, listen we'll build our own stuff and we'll race our own stuff, but I don't want to. I don't want to be in the engine building business again. Although I've had a couple SCCA people hit me up in this last year. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's a lot of people hitting me up, going, "Hey, what about building engines again?" He goes, "No, <laughs> no." You know, and and I'm so busy with supercharger development now that yeah. I I simply wouldn't have the time. I'd have to put another engine shop together. I would imagine all, superchargers all are the bulk of your business yeah, what, now. What was the first super, uh, car that you guys actually supercharged? That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Ah, well, it's interesting. So there's a crossover there. There's a crossover there. Kind of when yeah. you stopped how did, SCCA how did, how did racing come in? Yeah. and stopped doing engine building and SCCA racing, supercharging kind of grew. Yeah, and, and so we did the Battle of the Imports, and uh, I think it was March of 1990, March or May of 1990, and there was – grandstands were packed standing room only yeah. no ads no marketing Frank really just went out to the street races and passed out brochures oh my gosh. and the place Such was a, cool a madhouse and he, everything we took to the track that day t-shirts camshafts i mean we sold out i mean we came back to the shop with an empty truck mm -hmm. and i said these people ravenous they they really this is dig thing, what yeah. we're doing this is the thing this is the new thing because you go to an sec race there isn't a single spectator there right? yeah but this thing had fifteen thousand people. The stands were packed. I mean, it was it was a madhouse. And I went, we got to go do some drag racing. Yeah. And we had I had turbocharged my wife Civic Si that he was riding in the back seat with. It's funny we're driving up the fourteen freeway going to LACR, and I got a Haltech and a laptop sitting in my lap, and I'm telling my <laughs> wife, hold it four thousand right now, and then hold it at five thousand, you know. And I'm trying to trim the fuel and hold it at six thousand. And my wife's like, honey, I'm in fifth gear at. 5,000 RPM. Do you know how fast I'm going? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, slow down. You probably put, put it, it in fourth then. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we tuned on. So when I came back, yeah. I, my gears were turning about how how do we how do we give this kind of performance? Because, you know, we dominated that drag race that day. I mean, we beat all the big Japanese tuners that were supposed to be yeah. the fast guys. We beat them all. But turbocharging was notoriously undependable. Yeah. You know, and, and if you buy it from the factory with a turbocharger, it's usually pretty well done. They've mm -hmm. thought it out, their cooling system, their oiling system, everything's well thought out. When you add a turbocharger to a car that wasn't designed for it, 
you're asking for trouble, nothing mm-hmm. but trouble. And we couldn't, as good as I was in my own personal car, I couldn't get the car to last, you know, two years at a time without something going wrong. What know? were you having problems with? That nation? Well, I mean, or? the bolts coming loose on the turbo, oh, yeah. on the manifold. Yeah. Um, you know, tuning was very rudimentary back then. We didn't have Han data. You know, yeah. we, we were playing with fuel pressure regulators and retarding timing. Yeah, rising rates. Using and... MSD timing retards. And yep. so d- tuning was very, very uh, caveman. And so, and the turbochargers weren't very reliable. I yeah. mean, today's turbochargers are water cooled, the best bearings, the best everything. But back then, they weren't very reliable. And so, I was looking for a way to bring big power, strong power to the masses that was easy to do. Because when we did an NA car, I mean, we had the best valve train and best cams, the best of everything back then. But if you took a CRX and you put big cams in and everything to to try and run the speeds that I ran with my boosted car, you spent more on it than yep. buying a turbo kit. Yep. And it, and then it was noisy and unreliable, and it, it wasn't a good daily driver anymore. It was a good mm-hmm. NA race car. But yeah, you can only go so far with yeah. that. Yep. And so I was trying to find a way to bring big power to the masses that was carb legal, and it just couldn't be done with a turbocharger. Mm-hmm. And I'm scratching my head, scratching my head, trying to figure out, how do I do this? And a buddy of mine shows up. He's got a brand-new T-Bird Super Coupe with a supercharger on it for yeah. the first year. And I take this thing for a drive. I didn't know anything really about superchargers at the time. I mean, I knew what they yeah. did, but I didn't know the nuances of superchargers. Those supercharger. things like a big M62 on them, too, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. And I looked at the label on the side of the supercharger and said, we're calling it. This is interesting. <laughs> and it's uh, funny that you say that. So we, you know, I, I was working with uh, uh, another friend of mine, uh, two friends of mine from uh, Atlanta, uh, Norm Garrett, who's one of the engineers for Mazda on mm-hmm. the Miata. Um, and uh, we started talking about supercharging a Miata. We said, you know, th- this would be a good thing. So we sat down with the engineers at, at Eaton and said, you know, we need a 45-inch blower. And they said, well, we don't make anything that small. And then I said to them, I need one that turns counterclockwise. And they they looked at me kind of crazy. They doesn't make that. You, well, nothing turns counterclockwise. Everything turns clockwise. Honda's, no, Honda's turn counterclockwise. And he said, no, no, they turn clockwise. No, they turn counterclockwise. So he said, well, it's going to take some time to build the tooling. And I had to pay for the tooling to have it made because they said, no one's going to want a counterclockwise blower. So you want it. You're going to have to pay for it. So... I had to pay a zillion dollars to have these guys build the gear sets and the rotors to turn the opposite direction. And in the meantime, they said, well, we can cut down a 62 and make it into a 45 for you. So it took a little bit, but we finally got 45-inch blowers. So the first supercharger we did was on a Mazda Miata. Mm-hmm. And the, the original concept was to cast a manifold and have it you know, on the intake side. But for testing, we just made a simple L-bracket, hung it off the cylinder head on the exhaust side, and around, so routed some tubing and started playing with it to figure out what they liked, what they didn't like. And somewhere along the way, somebody saw a picture of it or saw it someplace, and our phone started ringing, people wanting the supercharger kit. And then we were too far along. We People already seen it, had already seen it on the passenger or on the driver's side by the exhaust manifold. Mm-hmm. And so we went into production with a supercharger kit that hung off the cylinder head, and <laughs> that's what got it started. Yeah. And 95... Uh, 94, 94, I guess, a, a box arrives one day, UPS, and 
it's a counterclockwise supercharger. Yep. And finally uh, got done, huh? So we started designing the supercharger. Finally got all paid for. Yeah. <laughs> finally got all paid for. Yeah. yeah, sending monthly installments to Eaton, not knowing where it was going to end up. You know, but uh, yeah, we made the the Honda supercharger, and and kind of the rest is history. It you know it, it went on. Do you still offer that setup? The uh... oh no, no, they discontinued that supercharger's. Yeah from 1990 you know yeah, it's, yeah. it's very very old so yeah, you guys don't sell the root stuff for d or b series stuff anymore no well that that unit that that counterclockwise gen 3 i guess gen 3 gen yeah. 3 unit um eaton stopped making the unit and then yeah. they don't even have support parts for them anymore hey, do you know anybody that rebuilds them uh, mm. one of our listeners actually found out we were coming here and he said uh dennis uh, dennis duff he said uh Ask him if he knows anybody that rebuilds them. Well, <laughs> well we Magnuson always... Products in Ventura, California, yeah. uh, is the official rebuilder. Okay. But they've recently been telling people that they don't even have rebuild parts for them. That's what I was getting at is okay. that they, they don't even have rebuild parts for so them So cross anymore. your fingers. So Gen 3 rebuilds. Ooh, yeah. I, I still see those yeah. things at the track like all the time. I mean, yeah. that's a, that was a well-built kit, and they lasted a long time. Yeah. I installed well, we sold, a bunch of them. We sold, sold thousands of them. Of them. Yeah. I mean, thousands of them. Yeah, I mean, they're out there. It's amazing how many are out there. I saw one that was, like, new in the box for sale a while back. Like, yeah. If you ever find there. one of those, buy it. Really? Even if you don't need yeah. it, Vintage. It, it's going to be worth a zillion dollars one yeah. day because you can't find them anymore. Yep. You know? Tune in next week for the second part of this two-part episode. 